0: again, everybody, this is John Norris at Trading Perspectives. As always, we have our good friend, Sam Clement. Sam, say hello. Hey, John. You doing okay today? Doing awesome. You looking forward to the weekend? I am. You know you know what? I would be looking forward to the weekend as well. However, it's going to be rainy and gross. However. It is going to be rainy. You know, what was also rainy, and this is kind of more of a metaphor, if you want to call it, uh, you know, a metaphor. Yeah, metaphor. I don't think it's a simile. Uh, You know, it was also kind of rainy was uh, Kraft Heinz uh, earnings announcement last night. And Uh, we we are taping here on a Friday. It's
1: more than just an earning announcement with the SEC investigation along with it. It's really threefold. Oh, gosh. It was absolutely dreadful. And before we go too much further and talk about Kraft Heinz,
0: I um, do want to point out here at Oakworth Capital Bank, we are not a market maker in any individual names. We serve as agent for our clients in the marketplace and not as principals. So we're never making a market in anyone in particular name, nor do we own more than 5% of any individually listed company on any exchange throughout the globe. So those caveats out of the way and some of the names that we'll discuss today, we may or may not own a accounts, but were not a primary driver of the stock price. Fair enough? Fair enough. All right. Now, in terms of Kraft Heinz, one of the things that I noticed, and everyone knows, and obviously a big spike down here this morning, um, is the fact that they're writing off or impairing a bunch of goodwill that they had on a number of their different brands, most notably Kraft and Oscar Mayer. So you saw that, right? Yep. So they're writing down $15 billion worth of Goodwills. Essentially what they're saying here, guys, so if, if you're not an accountant, if you, if you forgot your, econ one, or your accounting 101, when you're impairing Goodwill, what you're essentially saying is the value of some of your brands is not as much as you originally thought it was. For all intents and purposes, right? I mean, is, I mean am I remembering my county 101 correctly? As far as I know, or is that 201? That's probably more of a 201. Probably. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit, Sam. Uh, you know, in terms of just some traditional, old school American brands that everyone loved to loved, and just kind of with these icons, you know, these right. things that have been around for so long, things that, in everyone's portfolio. Yeah, 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 everyone's portfolios, everyone's cabinet, all that stuff, and all of a sudden it seems like gee whiz, we hate it. We hate right. them. More investors hate them always. And before we get into the meat, the meat of that, and I'm going to love your love your opinion on this because here I am, fifty, Generation X, your Generation Zombie, and Generation Z, I believe. I I keep forgetting if it's Y or Z. <laughs> I think you I think you might be Z. And uh, in any event, I want to tell you back when I got into this industry, and technically I got into it in 1991, but in, in all truth, I wasn't doing anything substantial in my career until 1992. I got in 91 and we wouldn't do anything substantial until 92. And on our trading desk in, in Baltimore, they had a company called Mercantile Safe Deposit and Trust Company. We had a number of different corporate issuers um, which we could purchase in our money market portfolios um, and large, large sums of money. I mean, truthfully, these are pretty big even back in the day. And some of these names included Vermont American. You, are you even familiar, I'm not Vermon- familiar Vermont with Vermont American? Uh, it's now um, a, a buried subsidiary of Bosch or Bosch uh, Tools, which is a German company. Um, Dow, no not Dow, but DuPont, Back in yeah. DuPont, Double D, um, DuPont, uh, IBM was a name that we yep. could purchase. Um, General Electric was the, yeah. was the standard bearer, truthfully. That was the rate on which other commercial paper programs uh, were set, truthfully. I mean, um, it it yeah. might be incredibly difficult to believe now. And then this is going to be another one that I'll throw at you, that you might be a little bit surprised. We were a big buyer of Campbell's Soup. Yeah. Commercial paper. Uh, think about your consumption patterns now, Sam. Um, how much Campbell's Soup do you buy? And again, this is nothing against the company at all, we're talking about changing con- consumer patterns. None. absolutely Zero. No. Now, I used some uh, Campbell's Soup last night. Did you? I used two cans of cream and mushroom soup. There you go. Yeah. Would you ever do that? Probably not.
1: <laughs> you know, people buy those, the cream of, all the different cream of. so good for whatever <laughs> casseroles they make and it seems like when was the last time you I,
0: had a casserole? I don't I mean, ma- like, I've never made a casserole well you're 22, we do have to put that out there but when was the last time you ate a casserole? I, I couldn't tell you you know, I really and, couldn't. And that's just something that's a generational shift in consumption patterns, all these things that Campbell's Soup uh, made. And, you know, when I was growing up, uh, the Joy of Cooking cookbook, if you're of a certain age, uh, wedding gifts, uh, people gave you they gave the wife, the Joy of Cooking cookbook, and buried within are any number of delicious recipes using any number of canned soup products.
1: Cream of chicken, cream of mushroom, cream of... Cream of
0: yeah, yeah, cream of all of it. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> and and people just simply don't don't cook like that, yeah, uh, the way that they used to. And you're seeing that with all kinds of different brands, you know, some of these staple uh, mm-hmm. pieces of those brands mm-hmm. that everyone used to eat. Just public perception of them is changing so much. Well, let's let's take a, let's go back to Kraft hunts, and, and just and then we can talk
0: about some varying brands. And i you know I know the way that my consumption patterns have changed, but you know that's almost you know irrelevant because I'm getting long in the tooth, I suppose, but it's people your age and people who are younger that are going to be setting the consumption patterns moving forward. Let me ask you this one. How much soda do you drink? None. Very little. Zero. (laughs) So you are not a big consumer of of sugary, uh, fizzy uh, soda products. Not at all. Not a diet Dr. Pepper. Never. Nothing like that. No. Little sweet? Nothing nah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that. Well, love the little <laughs> sweet. ads. I just love them. and occasionally because of the little sweet ads, I do buy to diet support Dr. it for, Pepper. for the commercial. Well, I, I don't. I don't know why. I do get a little bit of kick out of it taking one out of the refrigerator and when I crack it, I go little sweet. The family thinks it's kind of funny, but for my wife and so my, my kids think it's kind of funny and they laugh. And you know, well, the, the small things in life. Right. right. You know, a twelve ounce of can of pop. If I were to live in the Midwest. Um, so none of that type of stuff. However, I would be still be willing to bet you that you do buy some products from the Coca Cola company, namely some of their bottled water. Yeah, it Dasani,
1: may, and yeah. Um, I mean I know they have some different sports drinks it's now. A, so, so, yeah, Powerade products yeah, pro- are there. Powerade, vitamin water, very, Various still, juices. I'd say Dasani is yeah. probably the only one yeah. that I really buy, if <laughs> at all, and that's usually at you know sporting events and all the Coca Cola sponsored yeah, places. But, but
0: the big Red can, all that stuff, you're not a big consumer of that. No, not How about at your all. friends?
1: They drink a lot of, pop, Honestly, a lot of soda? Honestly, not really. You I know? mean, it, this is very anecdotal, obviously, but mm-hmm. as far as I know, most people I know that I'm friends with aren't really drinking soda much anymore. You know, anymore. what's kind
0: of funny about soda is if my wife and I buy it for ourselves, my son john will will have some but he's never asking us to go pick up some, right. some 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 soft drinks so we're actually the driver of that so that's a that's a change in consumption but generational change. I mean, truthfully, I'm seeing this with my kids. You're telling me the same thing. You're just not drinking as much soda pop,
1: right? That's. I think that's just a piece of the whole underlying change in perspective of consumer habits, though. Yeah. You know, into healthier things, uh, low sugar. Obviously, yeah. you're even seeing that within Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. all the low sugar, no sugar versions of and it. And
0: again, we are not a market maker in Coca-Cola stuff, right?
1: And then, and then even craft versions of things. You know, smaller brands, local mm-hmm. brands.
0: And well, let me ask you this one. Kraft Foods uh, and Oscar Mayer, obviously uh, Kraft Heinz wrote down the, uh, the market value of those brands on their, on their balance sheet. Um, Kraft Foods, largely a maker of processed food products, easy consumption, grocery store off the shelf, and in your tummy right. with, uh, with very little effort. Um, I know you're a pretty healthy guy, very (coughs) health conscious. Um, However, amongst your friends and what have you, are you all buying a lot of processed foods? Not really, yeah. Processed meats like the Oscar Mayer, with the exception of delicious bacon.
1: Maybe some deli meat. Mm -hmm. Really not much, though. Not much of the box stuff. But within the deli meat, are you buying sort of the ready set, yeah, it's usually more the pre-packaged, not necessarily the boar's head okay, behind cool. the counter. Right. But but even so, you're not you're not but
0: you're not going and buying box after box of Kraft macaroni and cheese. No, or, I couldn't tell you last time. You know, I've, or or powdered uh, mashed potato flakes or anything like that. I've never had this. I you Are know when I was a kid, I've i um, when I was a kid, um, when we first moved to Birmingham, I was three or four years of age, and we lived next door to some people called Supersinski. Trust me, it's a name. And uh, the Brian, the little boy uh, next door, would occasionally invite me over for dinner, and they would have powdered mashed potatoes, and I was always pe- pestering my mom to get these powdered mashed potatoes. Never do it. Absolutely never do it. And another thing that she would never buy is uh, the uh, the Chef Boyardee, or even the Franco-American sort of spaghettios, meatballs, right. that type stuff. Uh, and it was always a real treat when I went over to someone's house and had these things. Now, when I was an adult, finally out of the house, I went to the grocery store and bought these things. You know what I thought about them? Pretty nasty. They weren't terribly good. Um, <laughs> but, but but in terms of, uh, so so we're hitting on
1: Kraft Heinz. Now it's us shift on to... It's not even just food. It's not even just food. I mean... I mean, you've seen just the shift uh-huh. into companies like Amazon, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. It's just this ease of purchasing. We've seen a few companies kind of shift their business model to succeed in this new consumer environment, like Walmart. Yeah, uh, We've seen their new numbers come out, their fourth quarter. This past year and how they've successfully, for the most part, mm-hmm. achieved this online presence more so than just the brick and mortar, which I, w- I would say is necessary now. Well,
0: and you know, you mentioned Walmart,
1: and when you were talking about
0: Walmart, you can't—I can't think of Walmart without thinking about the way that they ate Sears's lunch. When I was a kid, Sears was the world's largest retailer. Right. The largest building in the world at the time was the Sears Tower in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Sears was the retailer. They had a huge catalog that they put out. It was sort of the standard. I'm not talking about, it was never a luxury brand. It wasn't a Tiffany
1: or anything like that. kind of what Walmart is now.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sort of. I mean, for all intents and purposes. It was the retailer for the masses, and it was enormous. And yet, it's, what? Court bankruptcy, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, Because I would argue that they didn't change their business model fast enough. Interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, Sears actually did. that. did have an online presence. It was pretty quick to get there. However, they didn't exploit it the way that they needed to. Right, and they
1: didn't develop their share of the market in terms of that online presence. I mean, it seems so cutthroat now, the online. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I was honestly surprised after seeing some of the numbers that Walmart put out about their online, how successful it's been of late. I was pretty surprised by that. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm not. That's a very well-run company, um,
0: and uh, and they've got their business model down. Now their their business model has changed since when Sam Walton was around. Right. But, but even so, they, they they know what they're doing. And uh, Walmart's varied a little bit. This not there's not a consistent one. But again, we don't make a market in Walmart. I've got, I've got to stress that. But in in talking about this and just companies that really didn't shift to meet. Cons- changing consumer patterns, and I would say Sears was an excellent example of that. And take a look at them now. Yeah. Another one is, and this might even be a name that you're not with which you're not even familiar, Howard Johnson's. Now, if you're of a certain age, you remember, and you have to be almost my age or older now to remember Howard Johnson's. They were the original sort of fast food restaurant, truthfully like the, burgers and fries well I mean it's a little bit more than that she sat down it's more of a restaurant type deal but um, they were first to kind of exploit the interstate along with Holiday Inn Yeah. would be a Howard Johnson's a Holiday Inn there and the Howard Johnson's had sort of a copperish green type, type roof very very distinguishable orange and green and so you went to Hojo's and you got fried clam strips that's what you got fried, fried, fried clam strips, strips. I, now a pretty health conscious guy like yourself how does that sound to you
1: I I mean, I like oysters a lot. Uh I'd hate fried oysters. so I don't think I would like fried clam So
0: would you want to go to a place, a a fast food joint, and get fried clam Not likely. (laughs) (laughs) Any of that. Hojo's, what we called it, didn't keep up with the times. And now, here it is. And I remember eating at Hojo's when I was a kid. I mean, certainly as a kid. You've never even heard of Howard Johnson's. Never heard of it. That's the first time I've heard of, of it. Yeah, never even heard of Howard Johnson's. And that, and that's for people of a certain age listening. To this that's kind of shocking. That's how quickly some of those, some of these, just big titan brands of American industry, all that stuff, how quickly they can be relegated to the dustbin of history, just simply due to changing consumer patterns and businesses and management's unwillingness or inability to
1: shift to them. Right, and I think it. it some of the successful companies we've seen that have done this it has been so drastic and they've really pushed their chips in on this Mm forward-thinking online presence I mean the ones that kind of halfway did it aren't really succeeding as much because they're not really developing their share of that market I mean Amazon's brand loyalty now I don't care how well Walmart's online shopping is whether they do two-day shipping or not I'm probably never ever never going to start buying stuff online at Walmart
0: that's a very bold statement, Sam.
1: Very bold. I don't see it. You don't see it? I don't see it happening. <laughs> That's a very bold statement. I don't. Never? I, I see no reason why I would need to. Okay, well, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, never is a strong word. So, I guess, but... So, so I, I'm
0: kind of throwing out some of these brands from the past. Another one I would say when I was a kid, when I was a kid, um, and I won't talk about beer now, and even back when I was in high school or whatnot, if you were to throw a party, and my parents, you know, would, would, were keen to throw parties, uh, if they were going to have beer, they would generally have two types of beer, two two different brands of beer, a Budweiser and a Miller Lite. My father hated Miller Lite, so maybe maybe another brand, but there had been Budweiser and a light beer. And Bud was actually considered more of a premium style beer. Yeah. And, you know, Anheuser Busch back before it became AB and Bev or whatever it's called now. It was sort of like the way General Motors Corporation was, was set up. You had your premium, which was Michelob. Not Michelob Ultra, but Michelob, which was sort of the, their equivalent of Cadillac. And, and you know, kind of went Michelob, Budweiser, Bush. Bush was the, the working man's beer. So I don't know still is. Be like, yeah. It's, nice Bush still around? I, 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 mean, yeah. I mean, that's the whole deal. So, but in any event, Budweiser would have been what you might, or Michelob might have been for a party, and a Miller Lite. However, now, take a look. I mean, you went to the grocery store. It was, I mean, a Bush products uh, and Miller, Miller products. I mean, this is kind of in the 80s that I remember. So, the 70s and 80s, certain brands and all that stuff. Take a look and go to the grocery store now, to the beer section, and you're a younger guy. How many different types of beer are there now? Uh, probably
1: 75? Oh, at 100? least. I mean, it, I guess it depends on the grocery store. That I mean, they, they have, have a whole aisle all the way down, usually sometimes on both sides uh-huh. of just every kind of beer. And then there's one section where it's the big, common lots of Bud Light, lots of uh, Mick Ultra, yeah. all those. But yeah. then there's just a giant section of all these different six-packs. And packs some of, of it's just so bizarre. It is bizarre. I mean, it's like hard a, to pick. Like a Butter Pecan IPA or yeah. something like that. I'm not, I'm not drinking that. But some people are. Some adult root beers <laughs> even.
0: <laughs> I mean, now they have um, something called White Claw. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's yeah. It's like spiked seltzer water. And truly's. Yeah. And all this stuff. What, it, what has been amazing? And, and we could go through just about any sort of consumer product, really, and not just consumer product, business products. And I want you all, those people out there listening, to kind of think of something in, in, in your in your mind that you remember fondly as a little girl or a little boy that all of a sudden's just not there any longer. Maybe you just didn't even see, didn't even recognize that it wasn't there, it wasn't there. It just kind of gradually faded from view. And that's what's so interesting about American business. Every time we say we're down and out, or the economy's this, that, and the other thing, we always t- find a way to reinvent ourselves. Just as I'm certain that some of these brands that we're talking about will find a way to reinvent themselves. If they can't, they'll just become subsidiaries of other well, corporations. that's like capitalism, And yeah. we'll move forward. That's the beauty of capitalism. So when I was reading the Kraft Heinz Um, Announcement last night, I'm not worried about the longevity of Kraft Heinz. They produce food for the supermarket. As long as people need to have food, there will be a company, Kraft Heinz, or a whatever follows Kraft Heinz. Right. People will continue to buy box macaroni and cheese uh, and slice and meat, yada, yada, yada. They certainly will. However, maybe that's not where the growth is like it was at one point. Yeah. Uh, And, you know. And those people that will come out ahead, at least in terms of the investment markets, will be those that actively disrupt consumer uh, patterns or change
1: them completely. And predict them. That's right.
0: So that's that's what I wanted to talk about here today, Sam. What do you think about what do you think about this changing consumer patterns, as is evidenced by some of the recent earnings
1: reports? I like it. I like how these companies are starting to predict more and starting to listen to consumers more, it seems like. Yeah, it's kind of fun.
0: It's kind of fun to see the world actually changing in front of you. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, that's all we've got here for here to today. Thanks for listening. We love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. You can always send us an email to Perspectives at oakworthcapital.com or you can leave us a review on the podcast outlet of your choice. If you liked what you heard today, please, by all means, tell your friends, neighbors, and loved ones. If you didn't like what you heard, By all means, tell those people that you dislike. And anyway, just go ahead and talk us up out there. If you're interested in in hearing more or reading more of what we have to say or think, you can always check us out at our blog, Common Sense, at oakworthcapital.com, which is underneath the Thought Leadership tab. Sam, do you have anything else for today? That's all I got. Me too. Y'all take
1: care.